This episode of The Latest is brought to you by The Latest. It's the 27th highest-ranked comedy interviews program on Apple Podcasts in Kenya. To all my listeners, from Nairobi to Mombasa, Faryaha Onyesho. To everyone else, enjoy the show. It's Monday, November 16. I'm Greg Ott. This is the latest. Tech companies are struggling to curb the spread of misinformation and disinformation. They've been read and spread by millions, and they represent just drops in a vast ocean. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I just feel it's truthful. Those voices are discussing misinformation, the name of a leading form of misleading information, as well as the winner of the beauty pageant at your local library. As officials and media companies continue to flood airwaves and screens with vastly distorted versions of reality, viewers across the divide continue to struggle with answering the same basic question. Was Apollo 13 really based on a true story? Between the conspiracy theories, the outright lies, and the notifications that nobody's followed your account for six straight weeks, social networks are continuing to struggle to keep pace with the sheer volume of bad news. Since early November, YouTube has declined to take action against videos parroting false election claims. Telling your audience of millions that Mr. Trump actually won an election he lost is no problem. But if you so much as try to upload a 30-second clip of an old episode of The Steven Weber Show, it's three strikes and you're out. Disinformation specialist Steve Bannon has had Facebook pages viewed by millions banned by the social media giant. Yet the company has chosen not to ban the alcoholic Ben Franklin impersonator from its platform after he uploaded a video that called for viewers to cut the head off of Dr. Fauci on the grounds that Mr. Bannon did not violate certain policies. Beheading someone is one thing. Poking someone is an entirely different beast. And while Twitter has taken one of the more hands-on approaches to cleaning up social media, like the janitor who proactively places a wet floor sign near the urinal troughs at a baseball stadium, it still only applied misinformation labels on 0.2% of all disputed election-related tweets. When you consider that users send an average of 6,000 tweets a second, it's nice to know that they might have taken a careful look at 12. As I'm sure you already know, since you're listening to a podcast that could be charitably described as Diet Bill Maher, everyone today lives in their own information bubble. We pick and choose media sources like we're in the bulk candy section. But it doesn't matter whether you hate the licorice and you love the gobstoppers, or you love the jelly nougats and you hate the Brock's Royals. If they're all that you eat, they're still going to give you diabetes. Some people love to blame cable news for this problem believing the populace to be under the firm control of the cash-for-gold commercial industrial complex. But these networks together on a good night reach an average of 7.5 million viewers, less than 2.5% of the country, roughly the same number to still consider Nick Nolte to be the sexiest man alive. On the other hand, Facebook alone, which should be the company's catchphrase because it's how you feel after using it, has over 223 million active monthly users in the USA. Last year, Pew found that 55% of adults regularly get their news from social media. But Facebook isn't like a newspaper. There isn't any separation between the news, the sports, the editorials, and the funny pages. They each show up in your feed in the same trustworthy manner as that ad for a chair you looked into buying one time nine months ago. Now to me, these social networks aren't just garbage because they provide no social benefit. If I really wanted to start an argument with someone's uncle, I'd go knock over a shelf of screws at a Home Depot. But these web applications are actively polluting what we consume on a daily basis, like a coal plant firing CO2 into the air, 
a chemical plant dumping lead into the water, McDonald's re-releasing the McRib, and it's never been more important for people using these platforms to be exposed to information that's credible and accurate, whether it's in line with their view of the world or not. Like I mentioned last week, it's not just that people today are denying the reality that Mr. Trump lost an election and are seeking sources that confirm their flat-out wrong belief. It's everything, from flat earthers, to QAnon followers, to the people who watched more than 10 minutes of Emily in Paris and still determined that it was a good show. Nurses and doctors are struggling to deal with patients who have been infected with COVID-19, who believe that they have not been infected with COVID-19 because it's not real. I guess when they're given medicine that alleviates their symptoms, it must be a coincidence. And when they get hit with a hospital bill that they can't afford, they must not pay it because they assume that the wealthiest country in the history of the world would at least pick up the tab for the health care. In an ad for his new book disguised as an interview in The Atlantic, Mr. Obama noted that our fragmented media ecosystem lacks a common baseline of fact. That there's no single Peter Jennings-type figure who holds enough nationwide credibility for everyone to go, yeah, he's probably telling the truth. And because I don't see Americans gathering around the Vizio to watch David Muir over dinner anytime soon, especially when the algorithm is recommending an auto-playing collection of sports bloopers to pair with your lasagna, we have to demand that social media networks are held to account. They surely can't police themselves. Just this afternoon, it was reported that Facebook moderators didn't even enforce their own rule over removing pages under its call-to-arms policy, which allowed a Facebook-hosted event by a right-wing militia to proceed in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which led to the death of two protesters. Democrats have long been preparing to take on big tech when they return to the White House. And while I've been encouraged to hear a Biden communications director trash Facebook for shredding the fabric of our democracy, uprooting it vegetable by vegetable like an old instance of Farmville, I'm worried that multiple Facebook board members have been chosen as part of the Biden transition team. Can't you at least wait until the current tenant has been evicted and you get the keys to the front door before you let the fox into the hen house? Russia's political landscape has long been dominated by this idea that the truth is unknowable. The world's a confusing place, so who are we to determine whether or not Katy Perry is actually JonBenet Ramsey? But if we ever hope to bridge the divide back in the USA and get red and blue to speak some semblance of the same language again, maybe we can start to patch things up by agreeing on the one thing in this day and age that we actually all know is true. Star Wars is for children. And now it's time for the O.J. Simpson Twitter update. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. This is me, yours truly. Yours truly. My guest today is Jim Johnson, a Chicago-based professional poker player. Jim, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me. On Friday, O.J. recalled the NFL career of the late Paul Horning. Hey, Twitter world. It's me, yours truly, uh, waiting to watch some of the Masters, and I'd like to take a moment to... Send my condolences uh, and best wishes to the family of Paul Horning. Paul Horning won the Heisman Trophy. Only Heisman Trophy winner to win playing on a losing team at Notre Dame. Paul should have been the first Heisman Trophy winner to go into the NFL Hall of Fame, but because of some gambling thing and a suspension, it took him a lot of years before they finally put him in. Turns out, a guy that I know real well is the first Heisman Trophy winner to go into the NFL Hall of Fame. Yours truly. <laughs> In any event, the best of Paul Honing's family. God bless. Take care. Stay safe. Jim, 
What do you think about what OJ had to say? Uh, as a guy who played poker for a living for uh, some time, uh, several years back, I can kind of uh, understand how the gambling uh, universe, whether it be playing poker for a living or maybe betting on sports, can be something that keeps the competitive juices flowing. I don't think Paul was uh, betting on his own team. And I'm glad that I think it was Pete Rozelle who finally lifted his ban and let, let the guy deservedly get into the Hall of Fame. Sad to hear he passed, but as a guy who, who played poker for a living, I can appreciate his, uh, his passion for gambling at a time. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about OJ? He's a murderer. That's this week's OJ Simpson Twitter update. Jim, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Greg. I appreciate it. And that's the latest, written, recorded, produced by Greg Ott, OJ Simpson Twitter update produced by Christy Forsh. If you like the show, please subscribe. And if you really like the show, please tell a friend to listen and tell them to subscribe. And you guys can talk about it in your private group thread. I'm at underscore Greg Ott on Twitter. Yeah, right. Latestpod.com for transcripts and all of your latestpod.com needs. It's a great URL. You, You can type in www or HTTPS. It works both ways. See you soon. And by see you soon, I mean hear you soon. And by hear you soon, I mean you'll be hearing me soon. And by hearing me soon, I mean you will soon be hearing me do another episode of this podcast.